to episode 9 of the Counties of England podcast. This week we will be covering the county with the world's largest colouring pencil. The county with the wettest place in England where up to 3 metres can fall in a year. And the county with the top 5 largest mountains in England and the largest body of water in England. That final clue should have been the giveaway but regardless we will be covering the county of Cumbria today. Cumbria first came about in April 1974 when the historic counties of Westmoreland and Cumberland were combined. However, some parts of these counties were added to Lancashire and West Yorkshire, but the majority makes up what we would now call Cumbria. The name Cumbria has been around long before this, though I think since the 1950s or something like that. Cumbria is a county located in the northwest of England. It is bordered by four counties, Northumberland to the northeast, County Durham to the east, North Yorkshire to the southeast, and Lancashire to the south. It has a population of 498,888, meaning it is the eighth smallest county when ranked against all the other counties. It is the third largest county in terms of area, only, only behind Lincolnshire and North Yorkshire in that statistic. So quite understandably, it is the second smallest county in terms of population density, only behind its neighbour, Northumberland. This means that it is a very rural county, so the only real town of note is the county town and largest town, Carlisle, which houses just under 110,000 people. The median salary in Cumbria is £34,983, putting it slightly above the UK average. The unemployment rate is 2.57%, putting it well below the UK average. The average house price is £203,828, putting it well below the UK average again. Cumbria is divided into six different constituencies. Five of these constituencies are represented by Conservative MPs, and one is represented by a Liberal Democrat MP. The most famous MP from this bunch would be Tim Farron, MP for Westmoreland and Lonsdale. He was the leader of the Liberal Democrats from 2015 to 2017. is very much dominated by the Lake District. It is often the main reason why tourists visit Cumbria. It is so prominent that in Keswick they only have shops which sell anoraks, cagoules, wind jackets, etc. The nearest M&S is 17 miles away. This shows that even the local economy is dominated by mountain gear and the mountains, as what most people visiting Keswick will be wanting to do. Owing to the remote nature of Cumbria, it is home to the largest nuclear site in Europe, Sellafield. Sellafield train station is often described as being one of the most unwelcoming in the UK. It is described as having a high perimeter fence topped with razor wire. This clip will explain a little bit more about the history of the plant. Windscale started out as ROF Sellafield in 1942 as an ordnance factory at Low Sellafield, a remote and isolated site on the coast built there due to the hazardous materials set to be made on the site. Often, there are radiological releases from Sellafield that sometimes make it as far as the Irish Sea. 
Therefore, the Irish Sea is one of the most contaminated in the world. Cattle and fish in the area have been contaminated with plutonium-239 and cesium-137 from these sediments and from other sources such as the radioactive rain that fell on the area after the Chernobyl disaster which was all the way over on the other side of Europe in Ukraine. There is a large nuclear decommissioning project going on at Sellafield to try and dispose of some of the remaining waste at the site. And this is no small project, as this clip will explain. Alone, nuclear decommissioning soaks up almost the entire budget of the Department of Energy and Climate Change. Most of it goes to Sellafield with the entire clean-up projected to cost £54 billion. And costs have spiralled, going up £5 billion between 2013 and 2014 alone. This decommissioning will take around 100 years to complete and around ten times that for all the nuclear waste to degrade. But residents of Cumbria don't seem to care too much about the hazardous nature of the plant, because it is important to Cumbria economically, as it's the largest single source of employment in the county, and maybe even in the country too, although I haven't checked the statistics on that one. Sellafield also used to be called Windscale, However, this name was scrapped following the infamous fire in 1957, which meant it had to be rebranded to Sellafield. There are still 30 tonnes of melted, contaminated fuel left over from the accident. This clip will explain a little bit more about the aftermath of the fire. The fire released 20,000 curies of iodine-131, 594 curies of cesium-137 and 324,000 curies of xenon-133. Although this number has been disputed to be higher, it would have been even higher if it wasn't for the filters known as Cockcroft's Folly. Radioactive materials sped across UK and Europe. The dispersal of iodine-131 was linked to cancer, even though it only has a half-life of 8 days but the way the human body consumes the material is by storing it in the thyroid. Around 2 million litres of milk from 500 kilometres squared was destroyed by dilution and eventually dumped in the Irish Sea. However, no one was ever evacuated from the surrounding areas. ...to the plainly difficult YouTube channel for these clips about Windscale. A very famous poem about the Lake District was written by William Wordsworth one of the most famous romantic poets and poet laureate from 1843 to 1850. In the poem Prelude, he speaks about the imposing nature and sheer size of the mountains in the Lake District. I will play you some extracts from the poem. I dipped my oars into the silent lake, and as I rose upon the stroke, my boat went heaving through the water like a swan, when from behind that craggy steep till then the horizons bound, a huge peak black and huge, as if with voluntary power instinct upreared its head. I struck and struck again, and growing still in stature, the grim shape towered up between me and the stars, and still, for so it seemed, with purpose of its own, measured motion like a living thing strode after me. With trembling oars I turned, and through the silent water stole my way back to the covert of the willow tree. 
there in her mooring place, I left my bark and through the meadows homeward went in grave and serious mood. In my thoughts there hung a darkness, call it solitude or blank desertion. No familiar shapes remained, no pleasant images of trees, of sea or sky, no colours of green fields, but huge and mighty forms that do not live like living men, moved slowly through the mind by day, and were a trouble to my dreams. Cumbria does not have an official flag registered with the Flag Institute. Cumbria County Council does, however, and on the blog of my website, which can be found at the URL www.countiesofengland.co.uk, I will just be using that one for reference, but uh, later on in the episode I'll talk a bit more about the historic flags of Cumbria. The flag of Cumberland was registered on the 13th of December 2012, and it features the Parnassus flower, which is the county flower of Cumberland, growing on a green field. The wavy blue and white stripes in base are for the coastline and the famed lakes of the county. Now I'll talk a bit about the flag of Westmoreland. The flag of Westmoreland was registered with the Flag Institute on the 30th of September 2011. The arms from which the flag is formed were granted to Westmoreland County Council by the College of Arms in 1926. The shield combines elements from the northern and southern districts of the county reflecting the fact that the county had historically always comprised of two baronies, the barony of Kendal, covering the south and including the counts of Kendal and Kirkby Lonsdale, and the barony of Westmoreland, covering the northern part of the county, including Appleby and Westmoreland, the county town. The two red bars on a white background are taken from the arms of the de Lancaster family. Fun facts about Cumbria include Lake Bassenthwaite is the only lake in the Lake District. The other lakes, in quotation marks, are considered to be waters, meres or tarns. Windermere is the largest body of water in England. It is 10.5 miles long. Seathwaite in Borrowdale is widely considered to be the wettest place in England receiving over three metres of rain per year. Just like the Inuit people have lots of words for snow, Cumbrians have lots of words for rain. Now excuse my pronunciation if there are any people uh, who are familiar with the Cumbrian dialect listening to this. These words include mizzling, describing drizzling rain, siling, describing heavy rain, Hossing, describing slightly heavier rain, stotting, describing very heavy rain, and hoyin it doon, describing really heavy rain. Hardknot Pass in Eskdale shares the title of England's steepest road with Rosedale Chimney Bank in Yorkshire. It has a gradient of one in three. This means that for every three metres you travel forwards, you will, on average, travel one metre upwards. 
to quantum physicist Dr. Mark Hadley from Warwick University. The A591 between Keswick and Kendall has the right number of corners and straight sections for the perfect drive. Gurning, also known as pulling a silly face, is considered an art form in Egermont, where the World Gurning Championship takes place every year. It is its most famous winner, Peter Jackman, took the competition so seriously that he had all his teeth removed to be able to manipulate his face better. The five largest mountains in England are all located in the Lake District. They are Scorefull Pike at 978 metres, Scorefell 964 metres, now, note the difference between Scorefell Pike and Scorefell, because some people refer to Scorefell Pike as just Scorefell, which causes mix-ups for the mountain rescue team. So just if you ever go to the Lake District, just, you know, make sure you know exactly which mountain you're on and the correct name for the mountain. The other three mountains are Helvellyn, standing at 950 metres, Ill Crag, standing at 935 metres, and Broad Crag, standing at 934 metres. So that just about wraps it up for this week's episode. As ever, I really hope you enjoyed it and you are duly looking forward to the next episode where we will be covering the county of Derbyshire, and that will be on the 13th of March. Just before I go, I would like to remind you that the website for this podcast is live at the URL www.countiesofengland.co.uk so give it a visit for example I'll be posting pictures of the Cumberland and Westmoreland flag because I do not think that my description of them were the clearest anyway have a great week and I'll talk to you again next Saturday